Welcome to Shades of ABA with Adrian and Tiana. Today we have Marcus Boyd with us. Marcus, thank you for joining us. Hey, everybody. Hey. So could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I am Marcus Leonardo Boyd. I am a four-time award-winning autism activist. I'm a 13-time music producer and award-winning music producer composer, and I've been nominated for a Grammy seven times. I am a celebrity interviewer. I own my own clothing line called the A Collection. I own my own shoe line. It's called the A Shoe Line. So, and I'm a CEO of Miss D Entertainment, MDE. It's a gospel entertainment company here in Tucson, Arizona. And I'm a gospel rapper. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, we need, I need to stop. You know, the list goes on. But the most important no, thing No, go ahead, is, brag. No, no, I don't need to brag on myself. But the most important thing is, is that I am an activist for autism because I have autism. I was born with it. I didn't start talking until I was 13, 13 and a half at a two-year-old's level. Um, you know, many doctors said that I would never read, write, get an education. I would never feed myself, clothe myself, bathe myself. I would never do anything because the left side of my brain doesn't function correctly as other individuals. But I have a bachelor's degree from Ashford University Online for journalism and mass communications. I'm, in two weeks, January 31st, I'll be 38. And I've been- Happy birthday. Activist. Thank you. And I've been an autism <laughs> activist for three years. All righty. You have an extensive list of things, although you said you're not going to brag about yourself. You have yeah, an extensive yeah. list of things to be proud of. I'll brag a little for you. You know, congr- <laughs> congratulations. You <better> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Look at that. Okay, so if we can just dive back a little bit deeper. You're saying okay. you um didn't speak until you were 13 and a half years old. With reading your bio, it also states that you were the first African American child. First in male first the Georgia first male in foster care. It was yes. really 1988, but they got it. My, my PR had it in 1989. You know, when people try to collect dates and stuff like that. I mean, because technically, <laughs> technically, it was ni- is the end of 1987 going into 88. Mm-hmm. So um, back then, they didn't have defects. It wasn't called Family Children's Services or anything of that nature that was located in Decatur, Georgia. It was, uh, my Dorothy Carr was an intern in college. And, you know, when kids used to get abused and stuff, there's nowhere to take them except Stone Mountain Emergency Children's Shelter. That that shelter don't even exist no more. So if kids are getting abused, if you you could you used to be able to drop your kids off at the shelter, like that's not it was no like longer a, available. No, that's not that's not it's really not it's gone. <laughs> so um, at that time, Dorothy Carr was an intern. She was my biological mother's best friend. They went to the same college. They was in the same sorority. So my biological mother's husband broke my ribs. And when I was bleeding all in the living room and he was beating my face with the bat, you know, my biological mother called her best friend, which is which was an intern to be a social worker. Deborah White hired her to be a caseworker. So when they took me out the home, they took me out the home in January 1988. So I stayed with Dorothy Carr because there was not a foster home to take me to in 88. There was no. At that time, you were how old? 88. I was 
going on five. Yep. I was going on five years old. And this is before you had language emerge. No, I didn't have no language until 13, 13 and a half. Wow. That is something right there. Like to Because he, to- you know, my mom had 22 children. So when you the only one that, that shows signs of mental situations, I like to call it situations. Mm-hmm. So when you showing signs of mental situations and stuff of that nature, you can't run and shoot basketball or throw baseballs with your son because because the, the other 10, you can. But that 11th son of yours, you can't do that. You can't do it with the 11th one because he has different situations. So you get upset, you get mad, and then you get abusive, extremely abusive. That is really heart-wrenching to hear. I think for me, you know, um, again, I like like to call him Big Tommy, so I don't want to confuse nobody. That's my biological father. (laughs) So I have never called him father, dad, pop, uh, step uncle, whatever. From verbiage at 13, 13 and a half, I've always called him Big Tommy. So I'm about to be 38. That would be the same name. I think it got severe for me when Big Tommy used the bathroom on me. And when he put the gun in my face and the neighbor saw it outside. And so because he said that was right, because he said he don't have no M kids. I don't want to say the M word because I don't want to be offensive to nobody. But he said he don't have no M kids when he when he caught the gun back and he was ready to pull the trigger. Mind you, I was almost five. So, I mean, that's why the book we're going to start. We're going to start writing a book. Stuff like that. I, I definitely think a book would be very key and very influential on top of everything that you already have done and accomplished to just provide others some additional light. Because just listening and seeing, listening to you and seeing your face, like I'm just astonished. It that's one of those mistreatment of kids is always a little heart wrenching thing for me. So I am really happy and glad that you were able to, I hate saying overcome your situations, but you were able to overcome that trauma, that that experience with your biological dad. Um, yeah, with Big Tommy. Mm-hmm. With Big Tommy. I apologize. You were able oh, to. You're good. You're good. Big, big Tommy. Um, you went through the what is now considered like the foster care system. Yes, I was in 16 different foster homes, 17 different group homes, and in seven, and almost seven different, I mean, seven different M institutions. So that's where so the shock essentially, therapy and that stuff is, like that came from. Are you saying, when you say 16 different homes, 16 different, 17 different group homes, seven institutions, you're saying 40 different places? Right. I mean, home for home, because again, right. we, we, you know, we're talking about from 88 to... You know what I'm saying? So I was 18, 19. So, so you, you're going from home from home. And some homes, when there was no foster homes, group homes. Or okay. when, I, when they kicked me out of their foster home, I had to transition to a group home until we could find another foster home. Or sometimes I went back to Dr. Carr's house, which was illegal because by then they had the, uh, the confidentiality law. But she was a big, tall woman who didn't care. She was Medea before Medea was... Medea. <laughs> and was going to love on you and make sure you were safe. Yes, she did. God rest her soul. She did. Beautiful. So we have 
these different living situations. Mm-hmm. And at 13 and a half, you begin having verbal vocal language. So mm-hmm. were you, did you at any point have any services provided while you were going I had a therapist. Homes? I had a therapist. I had a doctor, Dr. King from Clifton Springs, Clifton Springs M Center. Um, uh, Verta Looper was my therapist from five until I was almost 24. Again, I'm about to be 38. Um, I was on medications, Ritalin, Paxil, Depakote, Lithium, Seroquel, Zoloft. Um, 500 to 1,000 milligrams of pill, two pills a day. Um, I wouldn't tell people, go go have your person or individual on pills because it, it doesn't work for everybody. And each case is different. I'm not saying that um, pills won't work. What I'm saying is 500 to 1,000 milligrams will never work. I don't care what individual it is because that's too much medicine in you so you're not controlling yourself the medicine is controlling you yes sir that is that is extensive especially when you're referring to multiples of each of those at that um, dosage once you so 13 and a half and now we're 38 and you just what happened in between there you said you have a bachelor's Um, degree yes i I got a degree and then i got introduced to a thing called the streets (laughs) You know, when you're being in Brooklyn, I'm from Atlantic and Rockaway and Blakes and Lennon. That means that's from the projects, okay? That's not the nice area, okay? That's the projects. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so either you're going to have a jump shot or some type of book smarts, mm-hmm. or you're going to get introduced to the streets. There's, it's, it's, it's nowhere around that. <laughs> so I couldn't hardly really talk like that. And then I was gullible. So who... Who I'm listening to? My grandma mm-hmm. or some dudes that got money on the block. <laughs> so I kind of listen to the dudes that had money on the block versus my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like, oh well, you have autism. Why would you doing street activities? Yes, I have autism, but I have mm-hmm. to survive too. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not a church mouse. I'm not a Yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in putting God first, but I made mistakes in order to get to the point of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm here. <laughs> Sorry for my lateness and nice to meet you, Marcus. Um, nice to I meet you wanna, too. I can just continue on with the conversation and just had a question. You know, how did you navigate having autism, understanding your difficulties and what that may or may not bring and being in the streets? And like you said, you're, you were gullible. Who do you listen to? You know, again, the streets provide you something that you don't have. It may provide you a mother if you don't have a mother. It may provide you a father if you don't have a father. Or it may provide you a big brother or a big sister if you don't have these things. Um, my, my lackness was a father. So when I saw the OGs and I saw the guys carrying wads of money and they used to give me $300 for no reason just so I can go to school or you know, just so I can make sure my grandmother had food in her refrigerator, not knowing the the replica or the or the interest that I was going to entail by them just giving me money because I thought it was free. Didn't know the old saying, nothing in life is free. Everything mm-hmm. has a price. <laughs> so I wasn't even thinking like, oh, well, they're going to feel sorry for me about autism because, again, these are drug dealers and thugs. They don't understand the education of having autism. They can barely spell their name. So how can they understand that you have autism? Are you having it, that you're dealing with this affliction? 
Is that one of the pieces that you talk about when you are doing your speeches and your talks with individuals with autism and when you're doing your doing your advocating? Do you bring those pieces up to No, 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 no. Not not this in depth. Not this in depth, but more so just about being sure that individuals are just being watchful, being careful or not, whether it's the person themselves or their caretakers, their friends, their families are just being very aware as to what their loved one is actually encountering on a day to day. I mean, I do talk about personal trials and tribulations so people won't make the same mistakes that I have made given me having autism. And again, I only became autism activist three years ago. You understand what I'm saying? So that means I had a whole life before I decided to give my life up for autism. So that means that, you know, I was living ways that I shouldn't have been living, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Life experiences will teach you if nothing else will. And what made you go into advocacy work? I don't know if you guys already talked about that. Yet. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's not a long story. I, can re- I mean, I can really tell you. Um, I was in Atlanta and a friend of mine, uh, she picked me up. She was going to take me to Walmart and her son has autism. So basically she told me on 285 that I need to tell my story because she knew my whole story at her church. I said she bumped her head. She lost her mind. So um, we was listening to V103. It was raining super hard. She pulled over on 285 and she told me to get out. Mind you, she picked me up from my house. You know what I'm saying? So I was a little confused. I was a little confused because I know I'm not walking all the way back home. And it's pouring rain too. You out your mind. So um, (laughs) I told her, stop having your emotions and let's talk about this. Because what sense would it make for me to die because you upset? Like, it don't make sense. So she was like, I just need you. I really want you to go to my church. There's other mothers there who have kids with autism. And if they can see you, if they can hear you, maybe they can find a little hope within themselves, with, with, with hope within their situations. And I said, I'm not nobody's Jesus, medical doctor, or anything else. I only can talk about what I personally went through. And she said, that's exactly what I want you to do. She said, you don't know how many lives you can touch just by telling your truth. I said, okay, so if I do this, can we still go to Walmart and you won't drop me? The end of the story was that we were going to Walmart so I can get some things. So. Right, right, right. Can, can we still do that? Um, and, you know, you won't drop me off in this rain because I'm going to need to get back home. So I did. I went to her, her church that Sunday and it was was... What's mind-blowing was everybody embraced me. They didn't judge me. They didn't laugh at the fact that I had autism. They didn't laugh at the fact that I was different. They didn't laugh at the fact that, you know, as a grown man, I was still having um, problems using the bathroom on myself or jumping on people or scratching them or having adult tantrums. They didn't, they didn't laugh at those things. They was asking me a whole bunch of questions. And since then on, that was in 2017. And since then on, I've been spreading my voice. PSA videos, clothing lines. We about to do this music fest called Autism Music Fest. The shoe line and everything else that people can take a part of because it's not just me. It's for everybody, autism worldwide because this affects all of us. You just gave us a lot. We're processing. Oh, no problem. No problem. And, and, and it's, it's great. It's great. 
we wanted to feature autistic voices. We are BCBAs and we do ABA. Um, and we understand exactly what that means for some people who have autism and what how we're trying to reform and reframe, right? But particularly for the Black community, um, when it comes to recognizing just recognizing autism, you know, I'm sure you found in your advocacy work that you're just explaining what autism is sometimes, you know, and that this is a word and this is what it can look like as a spectrum and, you know, things like that. But to see you and that model, like your friend was saying, right when you first, before um, you went to the church and you just wanted to go to Walmart, <laughs> um, just wanted to go get some things, what you have done and what um, I read up on you and your experiences and your opportunities and things like that has been amazing. And I think it, it should be shared. I, I'm glad your friend pushed you and that we even have the opportunity and others have the opportunity to hear your story and also to hear what do you still struggle with, you know, through adulthood and things like that and, and not having ABA and not going through some of those um now what they recommend for services and things like that and still being able to do what you do what we got to do and do I think, you, want. you know i think aba wasn't really popular late 80s early 90s when i was involved with special olympics and things things of that nature when i was going to inpatient charter when i was a you know when i was going to the georgia mental health institution gmhi on briarcliff that's not there no more when i was in savannah regional when i was i mean you understand what I'm saying? When I was getting locked down with belts, when I was doing electrical shock therapy, when I was getting gags in my mouth to force to take pills. I mean, it's it's not the way it used to be. You know what I mean? That's why I thank God for ABA, for other organizations, for other services that help autism communities. In regardless, let's just keep it real and funky real quick. In regardless, if one person may not like this organization or one person may not like um, autism speaks or whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, you can't please every individual. The only thing you can do is make sure you providing great service and great opportunities and great change for the people that you are working for. That's the only thing I can do. Because again, you know, people may not like that I use puzzle pieces or people may not like I use hearts or stars or whatever. But again, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody who may not like puzzle pieces or whatever. That's why I changed up my clothing line logo. But at the end of the day, those puzzle pieces represent Marcus because I was a mess and I was not put together. It took 37 years to put this puzzle that's called Marcus Leonardo Boyd together. So those puzzle pieces represents me personally. I could cry right now. <laughs> no, 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 don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I really could cry right now. And I'm not even an emotional person. So I know you just said it took 37 years. It was 37 years of putting these pieces together for yourself. What was your point of realizing you needed to put these pieces together? When I was 24, my grandmother, she was my legal foster grandmother. So she was not biological, but in my eyes, she was biological. But she died and on her deathbed, she grabbed my hand and started rubbing it. And she said, baby, don't let your disability become make room at anybody else's dinner table. Be the leader that I know God made you out to be. I will be watching over you. Don't let mama down. Change from who you are to become what you're supposed to be. I love you. 
And she took her last breath. And that was it for me. That was it. You sacrificed your life. You sacrificed all your kids to make sure that I ate every day. That I didn't go to school when I when I used the bathroom on myself. That you brought me brand new outfits from JCPenney's and, and Target. And you ran up to the school constantly. You fought off little kids. You was punching kids because they was they was messing with me and taking my lunch money and my lunch. You was you was running down kids in Brooklyn on the block over a lunch bag because it was mine. So to see you pass away and not honor you, I could never do that. So I changed my life for her. I breathe for her. We're processing again. Marcus, like, this is just, like, it's, like, even when we started, you know, I was saying that this, it was heartfelt. And this is just very heartfelt. And just, it sings to the heartstrings. But it's real. Like, it is something, it, are, it is events that you had to process, that you had to learn from, that you have to grow from, that you had to experience. And to know that you are now utilizing those experiences to help others, to advocate for others, to advocate for others, to advocate for themselves. It is essential. It is important. I'm going to give you you a prime example. I'm going to give you a prime example. I've been advocating for three years. When I first started advocating, I went to, to the head office of Autism Speaks in New York. And I tried to tell them, hi, I'm Marcus. I'm an advocate. You know, I would love to um, be on your platform, on your website. And I ain't never heard from them. Okay? Ever. No email back, no response, nothing. Never heard from them. This morning, I get an email from the head coordinator of Autism Speaks in New York telling me they was looking for me for months. And they finally found a good email. They've been trying to track me down because they feel it's imperative to have me on their website. They feel like it's imperative to do a full article on me and my story. So sometimes in this life, when people don't hear your voice, when people can't see your gift or your talent, keep striving, keep pushing, because you can best believe they're going to see it. And they're going to see it bigger than what you thought they was going to see it in. Drop the gems, okay, Marcus. Just go ahead and just keep dropping us, okay? Let's just need to record your voice, listen to you in the morning for my motivational morning. You know, whatever. Now, the real question is, are you going to autism speak? Yeah, that's a good question. That's what I want to know. And regardless, if I don't agree with personally some of their views, some of their points, or whatever, but Malcolm X said it that if I don't use my voice in areas where I disagree, how can I say I have a voice? All right. Keep this for our industry, please. Okay, he said, what'd you say, Marcus? Even though I disagree with some of the actions, the principles and how they run their operations, but Malcolm X said to Bumpy Johnson, if you don't use your voice to places where you disagree, how can you say you have a voice? I'm gonna leave that there. Another jump drop. So I'm just, I'm enjoying going through the history of things. Okay. So we have, we've done your childhood. You've told mm-hmm. us about your time in the, in the streets and how you had to encounter those life lessons, those life occurrences, because also circumstances, situations, environment all play a role into this. Now we're at 24. This was your decision to take all of the, all of these past situations 
mix it up, turn it around. What happened next? Okay, so yeah, I was homeless. And then, okay, we had 24. So after 24, you ain't gonna believe this, but I just went to start making beats for people. I was traveling, doing tours and stuff of that nature. Still not really focusing on autism because I'm like, okay, I want to be a music producer. I wanted to travel and work with different people as I, God bless me to work with them. But again, it wasn't until three years ago that I realized I was doing this all wrong. I was, I was circling myself, trying not to be myself when I was already myself. Sometimes we escape who we are because we don't want the people to see the person that we already are. Instead of just showing people who we are and they're going to accept the, the, the R in you before they accept the N, the, the N in you. You understand what I'm saying? I was scared to show people that, oh, I'm, I have autism or I had tender tantrums or I used the bathroom on myself or, it took, or I was getting abused or I was getting physically abused. I was getting sexually abused and everything else. I was scared to tell truth because I wanted acceptance over truth. But I don't want acceptance over truth now. My truth is my truth and I stand on it. You know, you talk about being scared to tell your truth. Then the gram- your grandmother had the conversation and then we had the conversation in the rain. <laughs> and now, now we're here, right? One of the questions I want to ask you um, is you're in your truth, right? You're embracing your autism. You're embracing whatever that comes with, you are embracing what you want to do with the beats, with the autism advocacy, with the shoe line, you're mixing all those things together and still staying true to yourself at all costs. Now, we live in a society that not only are there disparities, racial disparities that are in social injustices that are going on, you also, on top of that, have to add that you have autism on top of being a Black man. Can you speak to a little bit about from however long up until now, because you know, you, you're from the streets, you was in the streets, right? Being Black, a, a Black man and having autism um, affected your life? Um, you know, again, peace and love to Brit- Breonna Taylor and George, George Floyd. But there was many of my partners, along with myself in Brooklyn, um, from the canine force in Atlanta, from the Red Dogs. You know, they got knees to our neck. Um, You know, they got slammed on concrete. They didn't care if I had autism or not. They were still putting those silver handcuffs on us. They were still throwing us in paddy wagons over a little bit of stuff. If, if regardless, if if we all came out 15, 20 deep, just out of Walmart or a little corner store. You see the red lights coming, blue lights coming. We all getting slammed to the floor because we are African-Americans that's grouped together. Not saying that we did anything, but we're grouped together. Some of our pants are sagging. Some of, some of our boxes are showing. And we are in poverty neighborhoods. So, yeah, let's make our quarter. It's like 20 of us. So, yeah, let's slam them down. Let's throw them in the wagon. Let's charge them for talking back to a police officer. That's a misdemeanor. So they're going to sit in jail for 30 to 60 days, even when they didn't do nothing in the first place. Oh, you don't want to show your ID? That's that's giving out false information. That's 30 days. Like, where's our rights? They didn't care if I had autism or not. They didn't never ask if I had an M disorder. 
They didn't care. They just knew I was a fat black dude with some with some with some project kids. So let's ring them all up. So now what I do, I don't get mad over my jail experiences. I don't get mad over my prison experiences. What I do now is talk to chiefs in different cities and states and talk to them about autism adults, autism teenagers. You cannot restrain them and expect for you to be right in, the, in your restraints because there's different ways to calm down on an autism individual. But your gun and your cuffs is not going to do nothing but bring more fear to them when they see you before they see you, the person. With those talks that you've had to police officers, to chiefs, to deputies, have you found Mm -hmm. that they are more, that they're changing how they're training their staff? I think they're trying to change, but it needs to be like they they said and I said, it needs to be some type of badge, some type of necklace, some type of computer system database when they wear a badge or a necklace or, or a bracelet or something of that nature. So the police would know from the computer database system and from the wearing of the object that this person is not like everybody else. Do you think that's fair? That in order for the police to change their behavior, everyone else has to, their ability has to be displayed. We're going to have to change. We're going to have to change us as a people so they can realize that they have to change as as a department because they're not going to change. They're not going to change at all. They just, they're not going to change. They've been doing this for generations. So we know that they're not going to do it. So we have to do it as a people. Not saying that it's fair that we should do it. But we have to make a stand somewhere because innocent kids are going to keep dying. And we're going to keep burying our friends and our family because they're not properly trained. So you, you know, you have a different perspective than what, other people's perspectives are right other people are like i want the police to change you know i'll go i'll talk and you guys should change off of just having this dialogue right but what you're saying is that you're having the dialogue you're helping train them help recognize um you know autism what the characteristics are you know doing that but on the flip side you're also telling I'm assuming, you know, you very much so focus on the Black community. You're telling the Black community, like, listen, if special needs are not, we do need to identify ourselves or have something that identifies that we are different to basically trigger for them to react differently. If, if, if you told me you have cancer and if I don't see a pink ribbon pin on you or whatever, whatever, I mean, I believe you because you said it. But it would be more effective if I seen like a pen or something or whatever, like, okay, I seen this on her or him. Okay, so I know they're dealing with that situation. We can say we want change all day long. But again, Martin said, if we don't take the first step in faith, how are we we ready to take a journey? We have to take a step in change. We can't have attitudes and pride. Pride and ego doesn't get us nowhere. There's, that's quicker for a fall than an action is. So we have to be able to humble ourselves and say, okay, maybe if I do this, maybe the police department have this in their computer system. Maybe we train them or whatever so they can see this on my son, on my daughter. So they won't make a mistake if they work in 16-hour shifts and my son is with a group of friends and they lock up all of them and my son get lost in the computer system. We have to be able to save our own kids' lives by any means necessary. And it's not violence. 
is proper preparation. If you don't have preparation, if you don't plan, then you're going to fail. So we have to plan to be better as individuals so the so we can teach the police to be better as a unit. I hear you. I think I just have not. This is the first time I've heard that perspective. We talk about being in, inclusive, you know, and being inclusive with the autism community. You know, if I'm understanding this right, you're basically saying like there's a little give or take, you know, we got to give a little for them to give a little for them to take a little and all of that. Correct. It's, you know, it, it's, it's almost like this Washington crisis or whatever. Um, the little riot. Little stuff. riot. That, that little, little thing that happened. Little, oh. little riot. Stuff <laughs> like that. You know, I'm not even going to give my views on that because I don't want to sound dismayed or disrespect any oh, culture, belief. You can say whatever you want to say on this podcast, okay? Trust and believe. Oh, me. oh, oh, then. Okay. You can swear that, whatever you want to do. That Caucasian, that Caucasian riot, they only had that riot because they know ain't no red seats really going to be in power. All blue seats. So they got, they figured, okay, we can't, we can't push the Republican agenda. You can push it, but it's more power for the blues now than ever before. So that's why y'all got pissed off because taxes are coming. Yeah, y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all ain't skiing by no more. Y'all ain't skating by no more. Y'all going to feel the same tax crap that we've been feeling for generations. So, so welcome, so welcome to the Negro community, because you black now, just like us. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't no different. It ain't no different no more. You, 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 y'all rich people who make hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you're gonna get taxed like you make two thousand dollars a month. So, so welcome. But I will say this. If it's any situation, there has to be a give and take in a relationship with your partner, your spouse. Your spouse is not just going to spend all their money on you, all their time with you and everything else. And you don't give your spouse nothing. It has to be a give and take situation. So, I mean, even if they do spend all their money on you and give you all their time, eventually it's going to stop. Nothing lasts forever without something being given. That's like that's like having a one sided Christmas. Oh, I'm going to give you all these gifts and stuff. And then you're going to say, oh, I like them, baby. Ne- maybe next next year, I'm, I'm going to think of you. It's going to be a little problem under that tree. It's going to be a little It's gonna be a little cold. It's going to be a little cold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So with anything, I'm not saying for our people in our Black community, I'm not saying for you to kiss butt, to, to grovel on your knees, or anything else. What I'm saying is, Use the wisdom that you went to Harvard, Yale, and all these other colleges for, and use a smarter way to get what you want from the man. Period. If we always going to shoot the man up, beat him up, burn him up, then who's going to be able to pass a law for us? Because let's just be frank. Let's just be real. Joe Biden has to be the only person that hires nothing but black people in probably every position I have ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> so all of them ain't bad. You have to, that's like going to a clearance aisle and buying bad shirts, but you claim you can't find a good one. You have to dig through the bad shirts because there's a little shirt stuck somewhere in the middle or in the back or something. That's probably nice, but you got to dig through all the bad ones. That's, that's, that's it. We have to make a better stance in a better way. We, we want to fight. We want to protest. We want to sh- show our ability but we have to stand 
in a smarter way. We have a generation that's under us. Our kids, our grandkids need us. They don't need us in jail. They don't need us in prison. They don't need us beat or broken or anything else. And let's just be frank. Shoot, y'all worried about Caucasians being the enemy. The real enemy is this virus. Let's not focus on race. Let's focus on beating this virus so we can all live. Because, I mean, yes, it's about race, but we have to make better decisions. We can't just be beating up, tearing down stores and everything else. We have to move in a smarter way. That's just all I'm saying. Do you provide mentorship? Uh, over the phone, the virus. Of course. Corona. He said virtually. <laughs> six, six feet. <laughs> Didn't I just right. say I'm trying to live? I, I promise one. I just all right. Are you a comedian? No, I just built like one. It's a difference. And I got a lazy eye. Nobody <laughs> want to see me with a glim light on my eye and stuff like that. Nobody want to see this fatness in my lazy eye. First of all, I would love to see it. I would love to see you in person. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? I'm not trying to scare you. It's not Halloween yet. Uh, Halloween all, yet. all I will say, all I will say, think about adding comedy to your repertoire virtually. You know, virus, virtually. Virus. Think about it. I'm not gonna put you out in the cold and force you. Just want you to think about it. This has been very enjoyable. <laughs> we have advocacy talks um, with the police departments and those in those structures. We have you providing talks with the population. You provide virtual mentorship. What advice do you have for parents and for individuals? with the diagnosis, what advice do you have for them to advocate, to move forward, to be able to move out of their own way so that they can be who they are supposed to be? I think that more parents need to step up to the forefront and be able to see past their child's diagnosis, to be able to understand that it's a village of people who probably have the same diagnosis or more severe diagnosis than you or your child. I know back in 19, April 12th, 1993, when they diagnosed me as having classic autism, when seven doctors said there's nothing we can do, uh, Ms. Boyd, he don't think correctly. He, you know, we should just put him away because he's never going to amount to anything because his left side of his brain doesn't function. So you, Ms. Boyd, will be responsible of wiping him, changing his clothes and everything else. And she did that. This is at that time, she was a 65 year old woman and she had to lift me up and change my bottom and put clothes on me and everything else and feed me and, and duck when I threw my plate at her face and and stuff of that nature. It was constant. The guy that you see here before you is not the person that was there when Mary Boyd was living. So I would tell any parent that you have to be a voice for your child. That's what God gave you the child for, to be a voice. So if, and if God gave you the child, you don't think he know the ending? You could be having the next congressperson, the next basketball star, the next singer. You don't know who God blessed you to be with. You cannot look at the current state and say that's the end state. If we stop looking at diagnosis, looking at, oh, well, this my child, nobody going to understand or you know, why this have to happen to my child? Why shouldn't it happen to your child? Because your child is made of greatness. God gave you a blessing. 
whether that your child has autism, cerebral palsy, bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever your child is the label. But God gave them life. So God gave them the true label. Stop focusing on man's predictions and worry about God's blessings. Did I think I would talk like this when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old? No. Did I think I would be doing this when I was getting my ribs broke? When I was getting my jaw broken two places? When I was getting peed on by my father? No. But God takes you through hell so he can build you back strong. In order to make metal, you have to put it through fire. So I praise God for the trials and tribulations. I praise God when I didn't have nothing. I praise God when I ate it out of the dumpsters and trash cans. Because look what God has made me now. So when you look at your child, when you open your child's eyes, when, when you hug your child, know that you're hugging greatness. Don't look at the disparity. Look at the legacy. Do you want children, Marcus? I have two kids. I have a daughter and a son. How old are they? <laughs> Nine and four. How are you finding fatherhood? To be rewarding, a blessing. And I can't do nothing but continue to praise God for them because they are way smarter than I was. Let me tell you something. I tell my son all the time. He's almost five. Listen, you made better than I did. And, you know, he sounds like Mike Tyson and stuff. So he'd be getting excited because he'd be freestyling the Paw Patrol. <laughs> I mean, I talk- Listen, send us the recording. That's our new podcast intro music. <laughs> I got to get his moment to record it. I got to get his moment to record it. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I don't, did I worry if my kids would have autism? Yes. But, May I ask you know, why? Why was that because something Because I, I knew about? it was, it was told to me it was genetic. And it made sense when somebody told me and sent me down that it was genetic because I knew my dad, I knew Big Tommy was crazy. I knew he was crazy. You know what I'm saying? But I couldn't label him. You know what I'm saying? Now I can label him because it's genetic then. Shoot, he's supposed to be there got tested. He, he, he need medicine, okay? I don't, I, don't, I don't suggest medication for anybody. But Big Tommy, he need medication. All medication he can get. He need it. One of the things that we kind of haven't gotten to talk about that I definitely want to make sure that we touch on, um, you know, we talked about ADA and BCBAs and we are BCBAs. And so this is definitely going to go to the ADA community. What do you want for technicians, BCBAs, all of that to know when working with someone who has autism um, and how can we promote better advocacy um, with amongst the autism community? Um, I, I think that going to school and learning about autism is a waste of your time and college money. I think that unless you volunteer or experience or just be around somebody th- that really has autism and learn and learn them, not study them, not research them, none of that crap, because we are not researchable. We are individuals that's gifted, that's talented, and everything else. And we deserve, we deserve to, you know, be heard. So I think that people just have to get the understanding of what autism is first and not try to say, okay, I read a textbook and it said this autism is this and autism is that. And autism sounds like this because it's not something that's textbooked. So each individual with autism is different. 
each case, each person is different. So you have to come in in a different eye each and every time. Don't put us all in the same box because that's not what it is. (laughs) And basically to have that lived experience. So guys, just so you know, the intro and the outro that you hear on today's show are actually samples that have been provided to us by Marcus. So please do feel free to go ahead, use your streaming services, look them up, check out some more of his music, purchase something. He's out here doing great things. So make sure you keep them in your ears. Yeah, they can purchase it by going to my PayPal, my American Express card, um, my food stamp card or something like that. Um, I do take EBT and, st- and snaps. Um, don't worry about that. Are you like they can find you on Spotify, Apple, all that? Yes, yes. The new mixtape is on its way. I told you I'm a gospel rapper. Um, Sunday School Freestyles Volume One. And it was like, look, I know you like. Okay, well, if you're a gospel rapper, then let me hear something. No problem. Go ahead. When I'm sitting and things are different, I ain't feeling the same. My brother's missing because I'm guessing I'm just losing the game. But by then I'm lame. Angry never shooting no blame. Knowing I should be loving God, but still rebuking the same. Losing my brain, don't care about moon for fame. I rise to the top like humans doing its food in the chain. Using my name, I fight to resist. This life is a mist. I think where would I be without a mic in my fist? Cypher's a bliss with his first a list of emotionally distracted, give a line of new twists. I'm climbing a cliff, I fight to resist. Lord, can I get a witness? Cause the struggles seem endless. It starts with repentance. Let me cradle when your arms like an infant. Your eyes are menacing. Never mind my sins, I hindrance. Without you, I'm negligent. So what would I do because of you? That was so good. That was nice. Yeah. 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 Sunday, it was Sunday gospel. Sunday school freestyles, mixtape volume one. It's coming. My first single, So Jesus. Drops February 26th Great. on uh, MDE, Sony Orchard. So it's going to be on all major platforms. Well, this was so great to have you on the show. Um, and I, I can't wait for our audience to hear everything. And I also would love to do a part two because I think there's... Oh, yeah, we're going to do a part two because I'm a super fan of the Sh- of Shades ABA. I'm a super fan. Want to autograph. Um, <laughs> and, and two, We want to autograph. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't important. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and to the Shades ABA community, um, this is Marcus Leonardo Boy, autism activist. Um, let's let's take the titles out of it. I'm just a 37 year old autism individual, just like your son, daughter, grandson, friend, nephew, cousin, your coworker, or anybody else. Um, you're not standing alone. I stand with you. My arms is tied in knots with you. I move with you. When you move, I move. Um, I pray for my autism communities worldwide every single morning at 830 in the morning. We say an extensive prayer at the Remnant Apostolic Center here in Tucson, Arizona, because we understand that autism lives matter. So you're not alone. I love you. I support you. I believe in you. I'm with you. I stand for you. And if anybody needs to reach Marcus for any autism advice, any love, any support, call me, 520-330-0242. Again, it's 520-330-0242. That's my cell phone number. Text me, DM me, FaceTime me, because I'm always going to be here for my autism community. I'm always going to show love. I'm always going to show you support. Because if if we don't raise our voices and if we don't stand for each other, then who will? Marcus, this has been very enjoyable. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I have loved every minute of this. 
and I appreciate and I am very thankful that you came on today and you chatted with us and you dropped some amazing gems and gave some really great advice and thank you. Thank you. No problem. See you later, Marcus. Bye. Bye. It was so nice. Have a good night. You too. Y'all too. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.